We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yay, yay! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the VMMLB Podcast. I am your host, Tim Petropoulos, here with the one, the only, Big boss man himself, Nick DeVito. What's good, boss? What's going on, Tim? Back at it after a week hiatus. You know, I was away last week in Florida, spring training country, but didn't catch any games, but just happy to be back. Let's get it. Uh, I, I can't wait to talk about some baseball right now. We have an exciting show for you today uh, on the docket. Last time we talked about rule changes, they were just proposed. This time, the MLB is actually going to make some rule changes happen. Just not in the MLB. We'll talk to you about it in just a second. Also, we're going to be looking at the odds for MVP, and we're going to give you our pick for a guy that could be a huge long shot MVP. We're also going to look at the news and notes from around the league during spring training. Boss, are you ready? Let's get it. Let's get it. Like, like Boss said, he was out in Miami last week, chilling, vibing. So uh, he left us over here, and while he was there, Bryce Harper got signed to the Phillies on a 13-year, $330 million deal. If you haven't heard about that yet, you're probably living under a rock. Um, <laughs> but me and Michael had to jump on in and do an emergency pod and just give us give us uh, give the people our thoughts. So right off the bat, I know everyone wants to hear what is Boss's thoughts on the Bryce Harper deal. Uh, you know what? I thought he was crazy. He turned down 300 million back in what was it, like the end of October from the Nets. I was because the way the market was playing, I was like, yo, this guy's not gonna get 300 million. And Manny signed for 300. Then I was like, all right, you know, maybe he has a shot. And uh, yeah, good for him. He he got the security he wanted. It's a little less uh, per year, but shit, 330 million over any course of time is 330 million. So if he's gonna take the cut for less per year and take the years instead. Then God bless him, y'all. That's a that's a ton of money. And I just think about it like, yo, 
by the time that contract ends, you're <laughs> I'm gonna be approaching 40, you're gonna be over 40. Like that's just Crazy. bananas to me. Insane. Like if I if I had a kid this year, my kid would be a teenager by the time like, <laughs> exactly. it's, it's nuts. Um so what do you how do you feel about the Phillies' chances to compete in the NL East now? I like it. I like it. We saw already his spring training debut. I think he walked and got on for uh, Reese Hoskins, and Reese Hoskins went yard. Yeah. And uh, so myself, I'm sitting third on uh, my fantasy draft board, and it's a keeper league, so not many guys available. And I see Reese Hoskins and Bryce up there. I'm like, now I have to contemplate taking one of these guys. I mean, that lineup is just so deep now. Uh, I know you as a Mets fan are probably even more worried for more threats. I mean, it takes away – it's a hit to the net, so – Though they have the pitching, I'm not sure they have the lineup to keep up. Um, but the Phillies, shit, now they're so, like, fucking well-rounded and put together. They're going to be a- tough to beat, I think, in the NL East. I like that. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think they are they're they should be anyway. To me, they're considerable favorite over the Braves and the Mets. Yeah, I agree that they're the favorite at this point. But their their pitching staff still worries me. Their back end of the bullpen is not exactly reliable. And they got outside of one and two starters. They they have some question marks. So I, I still if they added like a Dallas Keuchel, I would put them as the head of head and shoulders favorite. But I think right now if the Braves, who have been dealing with injuries this spring, so maybe maybe they're out of the race uh if those injuries don't end up like working themselves out. But I think them over the Braves right now. Uh, and then the Mets and the Nats battling it out for third best team. But all, all four of those teams are going to have a chance to compete. Um, nah, for sure. I think so, the NL East, I was just going to say the NL East became probably the best division in baseball. So quickly. It's crazy yeah. how it happens. Like it, last year, they were a complete joke. This year, four squads that could really bring it. So yeah. we'll see what happens with that because they're also going to be beating each other up. Uh, those four those four teams are going to be playing 60 games each other against each other respectively. So. Let's see how many games each one could win at the 60 in that one. But we already talked enough about the NL East. Let's go for the entire league. And our first topic today we're going to talk about is these rule changes. So the Atlantic League, which a lot of you might know because a lot of former players go to these teams like the Long Island Ducks and and, and these kind of squads like John Rocker was famous for for joining them because they're in Long Island and everyone in New York hates John Rocker. Um, a couple of guys, like I, I feel like that's the Mets uh, like uh, senior citizens' home, where a bunch of dudes <laughs> from the messes go there. Remember you Jason know who played Phillips there? Dontrell Willis played there for a little bit. There you go. I Another love the one. D-train. Gotta, Gotta love, love the D train, man. Gotta love the D train. Um, we're a free agency right now is popping off in football. We'll talk about that a little later, and we'll get to the we'll get to some stuff uh, here. But you know what? Let's let's. I know this is the MLB show, but what's your take on NFL free agency so far? So you know, my take, obviously, day one is how refreshing is it that they have like a competent league to get, you know, free agents top of the line. Like they're the priority of everything come the first day. And God, it's such a breath of fresh air. Just like seeing things get done, like minute by minute, like there's always a new domino falling if you just refresh Twitter. So it's awesome compared to the offseason that MLB's had this year. Yeah, for real. It's, it's a lot more fast paced. I feel like it's like a microcosm for uh, for the world. The baseball is just at a slower pace than everyone else. I'm yeah. so sick. Those of you, those of you who, do, who are going to be listening to the NFL show, I'm not going to be there this Thursday. I have some other obligations that I have to attend to. I'm so sick about it, man. This is like one of my favorite shows. That's a oof, that's a I, that, out of all the NFL shows of the year. That's probably one of the worst to miss. Like, I know, aside man. From, like playoff previews and Super Bowl previews and regular season preview, like that's right up there. You guys are going to be on there just 
blab it away. I know it for like an hour and a half because I know it. I know it. So like an, pissed. An hour and a half beforehand, an hour and a half on the show, an hour and a half after. I know. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to be at parents' teachers' conferences. Anyway, um, MLB and the Atlantic League, like I said, they have a partnership to get some rule changes happening in the Athletic League, which MLB is going to analyze, crunch the data, and see how it's working out. Um, let's go. There is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven rule changes that are being uh, discussed. So let's talk about the first one. First one, this is one that you talked about already, boss, that you – I can't remember if you were on the side of it or not, but the home plate umpire will be assisted in calling balls and strikes by the TrackMan radar tracking system. How do you feel about this, boss? Oh, my God. That has to be one of the worst rules. Like, you know, anything robotic or assisted help – Aside from replay, like I'm okay with, re- I'm cool with replay. Replay is cool, but aside from like looking at plays on the field or outs or home runs, like you know ground rule shit, bro. I don't need balls and strikes to be called by a robot or any assistance. Like balls and strikes to be from the human eye behind the plate, behind the catcher, one person only. Get it done. That's it. I agree. Fuck. I mean, I, what are you gonna do to the game? It's not gonna be a game no more. Like, come on. There's going to no, put sensors on everything? Get out of yeah, here with that. Growing up, I was always told, like, baseball is a game of the human element and human right. error. Yes, like, human yes. error is a big part of baseball. A game so of inches. You can't take that away. And, it, oh, my God, like, if you're taking that away, I feel like you're just outright changing the game of baseball. Like, it'll be no longer baseball as we know it. It'll be, uh, I don't know, like, robot ball or some other shit. <laughs> you're, t- you're definitely dehumanizing it, which is a little weird. Uh, yeah. I'm not a fan of that one, but we'll see how it works out. Um the second one, no mound visits permitted by players or coaches other than pitching changes or medical issues. This one I could absolutely get on board with. Um, I know that when I was a coach and when I when I when I coached my kids and when I played, the mound visit was something that was crucial. If you were not in the groove and all the momentum was going against you, that mound visit could really change things. But I don't think that's enough to justify the amount of time it takes and the amount of um, I don't know, just lack of engagement you get from people once those things happen, especially now where there's so many pitching changes in the inning, you could have a manager or a catcher visit the the mound like legit four or five times in an inning. And I don't think that's good for anyone. So I, I'm actually a fan of this one. I think it's going to work out. I think they're going to bring it to the majors. Yeah, they're like f- going like full force with it because they did uh, last year enforce the mound visit rule. So whatever it was, I think six in a game or something, which, you know, I think helped out pace of play. But I'm halfway on board with it. I'm cool with, like, no visit from the coaches unless it's a pissing change. But, you know, if my guy's struggling, I want my catcher to go out there and, like, calm him down. Like, you know, the catcher and pitcher have a unique relationship, that battery relationship. He should be able to go out there. If it's limited, it's limited. Like, if you want to put a cap on it, fine. But to get rid of it, like, indefinitely, I'm I'm against that. But I would like it capped and catcher only. Uh, rule number three, pitchers must face a minimum of three batters or reach the inning before they reach the end of an inning, excuse me, before they exit a game, unless the pitcher becomes injured. This one is, is worded a little weird because he needs to face a minimum of three batters or reach the end of an inning before they exit the game. That doesn't necessarily mean one player per inning. What do you think about this one, boss? So does that mean if he comes in with two outs and gets a guy that he his he's done because he he's got done. to the end of an inning? That's how I'm understanding the rule personally. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay with it. It's better than – I think when we looked back uh, the first episode, I think the rule was you have to get three outs. 
I think. I that was the rule. Yeah, the rule but was three outs. But I remember out. that I, I had a big gripe with that because I said, you know, what if you guy's struggling or the layoff in between innings, like it could be an hour. Who knows? But this one, three batters is a little more feasible or the end of an inning. It's it's much more reasonable than facing three batters. Like, uh, I mean, having to get three outs. I'm sorry. Much more reasonable than having to get three outs facing three batters. I'd much prefer this rule to that rule. So I, I'm, I'm okay with this. I'm on board with it. I'm interested to see how this one's going to work out because I really think if it has success in the minors – that we might see it here. Um, it definitely takes away like the best role. Uh, let's let's go over to the the next one, number four. Increase the size of first, second, and third base from 15 square inches to 18 square inches. Um, I'm cool with this one as long as you change where first base is located. Like if you're gonna open it up by three inches, you got to move it back by three inches because there's already we already have these fast flying motherfuckers just get down the line and you and there's a it seems like even ground balls to shortstop these days are bang bang plays just even like a regular ground ball to shortstop and if you give a runner that extra three inches to get his foot down i think you're gonna start to see a lot more people beat out throws to first on routine balls and i don't want to see that so if you back it up three inches then widen it three inches knock yourself out go ahead right i don't yeah uh I don't know where I stand on this rule personally. I think, so you were thinking about like beating, uh, you know, infield hits out. I was thinking more along the lines of double plays and like mm. stuff like that because it gives you more room, albeit small, you know, a little bit, but it gives you more leeway to, you know, step on and get off and make the throw to first. So, yeah, I'm okay with it. I feel like it's more player safety inclined. So if it's safer, I'm on board. Yeah, I mean, there's really – that's what I mean. Like, there's no real downfall to making the bases bigger unless you don't move where the base is at and you make it easier to get to the base. That right. That, yeah. You still want to keep the distance 90 feet. Exactly. You still right, want right. it to be 90 feet. Um, Let's see. Next. God bless. God bless whoever decided to put this as a rule. I'm going to say this right now before <laughs> I even read it. For those of you who listen to me, you know how I feel about this. Require two infielders to be on each side of second base when the pitch is released. If not, the ball is dead and the umpire shall call a ball. Basically, what it means is stop shifting. Amen. I, I can go on about this forever. The shift is ruining baseball. If you look at the numbers from lefties 10 years ago and lefties now, their average is down. Their power hitting is down. Their RBI production is down. Every single thing that a lefty can do on the field is down. And because of that, you're seeing these lefties in particularly swing for the fences and swing and swing and swing. And these guys are natural pull hitters. And people are saying, oh, why can't they just bunt on the third baseline? Or why can't they go the other way? Because I don't pay to see Chris Davis bunt down the line. I pay to see him hit a 500-foot fucking bomb. And if you're going to make that his only option, it's going to be a more boring game. And I love this rule. No shift. You know how I feel about it, boss. What you, what you I do. Think? I think we're going to disagree here because, see, for me, I'm all about strategy in baseball. And, yo, if it helps you win, then if it gives you a better chance to win, then why not use it? You know, like, now they have to put a rule against it. But before that, there was no rule. Joe Madden, the originator of the shift back in his Tampa days, now it's widespread. I mean, you see people shift, like – they pull up percentages during the season. It's like 60% of uh, whatever. This team shifts 60% of the time on lefties or some some wild number. Um, so it's definitely super, super, super prevalent. I, I'm down to keep it. Like, we disagree here big time because, yo, 
if it takes, I know you don't pay for that lefty to put one down the third base line on a bunt. But yo, if it has to get done, it has to get done. You take your single and you move on. Yeah, but I think that we're actually agreeing, but we're just like seeing it differently. I think strategy gets taken away with the shift. Like there's no there's no strategy with the shift because it takes away the bunt. It takes it takes away the no. The, it, uh, it it encourages the bunt though. Sure, but it all right. Fine, it's it, it encourages the bunt. Uh, my bad. It takes away the hit and run. It takes away steals. It takes away a bunch of shit. It takes away everything that a lefty could do besides hit a home run. Yeah. Anyway, um, next, the time between innings and pitching changes reduced from. 205 to 145. I think we could skip over this one. Cool. Uh, yeah. Make yeah, it pace of play. Like, whatever. Yeah. This one is the most interesting one, not only because of the rule, but because of the timing. This is the last rule change we're going to be talking about. Uh, remember, this is actually going into effect. We're not just talking about these crazy rules that we'd like to see and uh, these people propose this at this event with these rich guys at it. Nah. This is the, this is the actual things that are going to be implemented just in the Atlantic League. So we're going to have we're going to be able to see how these things work in real time. And the Atlantic League, although it's not the MLB, is not is is not little league baseball like these guys could play. Um distance from pitching rubber to home plate is the rule that is uh proposed. They want to extend it 24 inches, so that's 2 feet uh for the people in the in, you know, who talking feet. Um <laughs> but only in the second half of the season and no change to the mound height or the slope of the mound so we talked about a possible change in the mound height this one they're going to move it back two feet and they're only going to do it in the second half of the season so they're going to have real data to see how it affects pitchers in real time boss how do you feel about this not with that at all it's like you know to me it's similar to i know one of the proposed rules we first talked about was roster size where you know in september like the most crucial time of the year the rules change in baseball because of September calls, right? Your rosters are allowed to expand bigger bullpens, bigger benches. Like that messes with the outcomes of games. hundred percent. You could make more pitching changes. You can pinch run a guy. You can make more, you know, there's so much more changes to be made during the course of a game. If you change the distance of the mound for half a season, that like, I, I can't, I don't even know where to begin in terms of how many injuries it can cause to pitchers are. Like, that's just asking for doom. This is, of, like, all the rule changes, this might be the worst one proposed, in my opinion. I think that's why they're doing it in the Atlantic League. Because this way, like, none of the MLB team's players are on the line. And the Atlantic League is probably getting a shit ton of money from the MLB, so they don't care. And these and these pitchers are just, like, the guinea pigs of the year. Yeah, it's just, I, I don't know. I totally am not on board with this. I mean, you, how can you change the game when... Like I said, it just affects outcomes. That's that's really all it does. And you can't change the rules. Okay, half of the season's over. We're going to make a monumental change and move the mountain back two feet. Like, as little as two feet may sound, it's monumental. As crazy as this sounds, I'm kind of on board with the way they're doing this. Here's, here's, here's why. If you're going to move the mountain back two feet, you got to do it in the middle of the, of the season if you're going to get true numbers out of it. Like I don't. I, if I was a player in the Atlantic League, I wouldn't be down. If I was a major league pitcher, and I was like, "Are they going to do this to us next season?" That no, I'm not, I'm not down. But if you're trying to get data about what kind of effect moving the mound has, if you move it back, you have to 
you have to eliminate as many variables as possible. And one of the variables is that could be there is this pitcher got better or worse than last season, just overall, not even counting that. You know what I mean? So I I like the way they're approaching it, it from but, just from a bit from a business standpoint. But why not do it the start of the year? Like why not? Because you have all the data from last year. And just saying, you know, hypothetically, I'm sure like 85% of the players who pitched last year are still in the Atlantic League for this year. That could be totally off, but I'm sure it's more than, you know, it's a good percentage. But why not test last year's data to this year's full year of data? Because uh, Here's the difference. Because Ian Snell. Blake Snell? Blake Snell. I, kept, I said Ian Snell. <laughs> <Yeah. again. laughs> I'm just going to call him Ian from now on. Because Blake, Blake Snell. Because like... You have a guy who goes from one year having a four ERA to the next year having an under two ERA, and Yo, that Blake Snell's a beast. Son. He's a he's Snell a beast. Zilla. He's a beast, and the reason why he's a beast is because he just got better. So I think it's it's hard to like if you were to let's say that the MLB put the mound two feet back and and Blake Snell was pitching last year, and he was pitching the way that he pitches now, and it didn't really affect him as much. You would say that he's better off with the mound two feet back. But he was better off regardless. So I think if you get the if you get the the data midseason, although it's not going to be perfect, I think that it's it, it makes more sense in terms of getting true numbers. Yeah, but to count to counter that real quick before we move on. Yeah. Why why uh you know if Blake Snell, like you said, a prime example, right? He wasn't really all that. He was always number two to Chris Archer. And then last year, or well, the year before that, he kind of came on, and then last year, Cy Young, you know, form. Why like why mess with that if you see drastic improvement in a player like just working on his stuff that not having to worry about you know the mound moving back or some crazy shit like well, yeah, you have like the variables of you know your release or your wind up you have all those different variables that you could tweak and you have the constant of the distance of the mound like that's a constant that you don't have to worry about would you want to affect that and have the pitcher worry about more more shit you know what I'm saying like I just think that the mound has to be a constant and where where it is now, like that's fine. <sighs> I, 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 they just I, I hear you if they were in the major leagues. I I just don't think they care about these Atlantic League players, honestly, bro. I just think it's like we're just gonna use you as guinea pigs, and if you don't like it, don't play. Like it's it's that simple. Yeah, but it could possibly like if it all works out. Well, I'm pr- I'm hoping this one specifically doesn't. It could translate to the big league level. Like that they could said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that so, it could. They're gonna. Totally- they're, they're going to review this at the All-Star break and they're going right. to go over it and the 2019 All-Star break is going to be a uh it's going to be a lot of the All-Star stuff but I guarantee you most of the public talk is going to be about these talks about rule changes cuz we're going to have a half a season in in the Atlantic League to see exactly how these rule changes are are having an effect on, you know, ticket sales and viewership and player health and all the things that the MLB is worried about. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, we um, did this all to ourselves, man. Like, oh, yeah, we did it. To oh ourselves. my god! Like, one of the chance to game of baseball. But you know what? We still love baseball, and I we know you still love baseball. If you want to come and hit us and talk to us about baseball, you can find me at Tim Patrop on all social media outlets. But only if you're feeling real, real, real frisky. You can find Boss. Let him know where to find you, bro. At Devito twenty seven on Twitter and the gram. Itching lo- for baseball season and some March Madness right now. That's right. Boss is actually got a little surprise in the works for you guys. So with March Madness, this is a guy that just so you guys know, uh, his email that I uh, <laughs> I, I emailed this to. I won't I won't put it on blast, but it has a lot to do with 
college basketball. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And, maybe, and maybe my favorite player's number was in there. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, my favorite player. <laughs> yeah, your favorite player. My not favorite player. Your favorite player for other reasons. <laughs> well, I liked him when he was on Syracuse. I will say that. He was good then. <laughs> um, so <laughs> let's move on to our second one. Oh, by the way. Uh, if you want to keep, if you want us to keep giving you this baseball stuff, if you want us to keep talking, um, and if you want to join us in a community of people who are like-minded and are all VM, please support the show at Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Veterans Minimum. Uh, you can give five dollars, ten dollars, fifteen dollars. There's even one where you can give us fifty dollars if you're like feeling real, real frisky. Uh, that would be cool too. And with just those little small donations, we give you way more than that in value of stuff. You get more. You get to be in. Um, be in contest with us. You get your name called off on the podcast if you're in the tier that does that. Uh, you join the Discord. You get two extra episodes every single month. You get what else? You get boss. We get we you get to join us in in the March Madness bracket. You March get March Madness bracket coming up. All that, all that, and uh, you you get promo codes for the merch. Um, well, I feel like I'm missing one big one. Oh, if you if you give us fit if you give us fifty dollars, we'll follow you on uh. From the we'll VM you on the yep. VM handle, and will and you can PM us and oh, also if you're in a in a tier, you could be the special guest question of the day on these shows. So a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. Go check it out, Patreon.com/slash Veterans Minimum. So we want you guys to give us a little money. These guys got some money uh, this week. We're gonna go around the horn uh, in this segment. We're just gonna go over the you know the major headlines or what we thought at least stands out when you have. When you have 50 games a, uh, a, a day in spring training <laughs> with double squads and uh, the minor leagues and all this stuff, like it's a lot to take up. But the, the big the big time stuff um, first, Adam Jones, it seems like that Manny Machado domino fell and now some other dominoes are falling. I'm still we're still looking for Keiko, still looking for um, Kimbrell. But besides that uh, and Gio Gonzalez. But besides that, a lot of guys that are, are that most guys are signed that deserve to be signed. Uh, but Adam Jones is one of those guys before he signs with the D-backs. Um, you know, just a move to get bringing a veteran presence. The D-backs right now are in rebuild mode. So um, Adam Jones kind of fits in there. Give him give him like a, a known name that could that could be a good clubhouse guy that'll ease the pain of 74 wins. Yeah, I love it. I mean, Adam Jones is, you know, Adam Jones. Like, what more do you say? He class personified clubhouse leader. He was the man on those Baltimore teams uh, that were going to the playoffs every year with Zach Britton and Chris Davis and all those guys, Nick Markakis, you know, Machado, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's just a clubhouse presence. The D-backs, probably not going to have a good year that, this year. But, you know, if you want a veteran in there, you lost A.J. Pollock. Um, so, yeah, why not? Adam Jones. Uh, yeah, not, not much to say here. Um could be a fantasy sleeper if he gets 500 at bats, which he's on, you know, he can. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, we talked about it though, the humidor. Yes. We'll see what his numbers look like. Let's go to the next one. I don't know about you, boss, but one of the things that um, was a staple, staple argument of my youth was is King Felix the best pitcher in baseball for like five years? Because every single year he would have the best stuff, he would have. He'd be top three in strikeouts, top top three in ERA, top three in WHIP, but his wins were never there because he always played in the shitty Seattle Mariners. And now the Seattle Mariners have kind of gone to their peak, and now have hit that rebuild button again. All the while, um, King Felix has been there. Uh, he's been their their ace, their opening day starter. But this year, he will not be starting opening day. They he's breaking the streak. Ten straight years of starting on opening day. Uh, what does it mean to you, boss? 
Bro, I think that's terrible. I think it's horrible because they're well. First of all, you know it's kind of quirky because they're starting the year in Japan, right, with the Ichiro stuff. So they're playing Oakland in Japan, and they're going with Marco Gonzalez, who like you know everyone is probably scratching their head like, yo, who? He didn't have that good of a year last year for them. They traded James Paxton, like yo, King Felix, like you said. They've how many rebuilds have they gone through? Like it's like their second one with him there. Yeah, like yo, he's the one steady piece. He's a veteran. I know he hasn't had good years the last couple of years, but you know, give the guy the honor of an opening opening day start. I mean, he could have made it eleven years. I think the record is fourteen. They're not going to compete this year. What has Marco Gonzalez done to earn that start over your franchise cornerstone for all these years, Felix Hernandez? Like, just what? I think it's I think it's kind of ludicrous. I think I think Japan has something to do with that, but to end the streak sucks. It sucks. Uh, King Felix. Yeah, I mean, I hope he has a bounce back here, but you could see his his stuff is the, has been declining for the last two years. Yeah, it's um, shot. Yeah, he's he looks shot. Uh, he he kind of tries to still dominate the way that he did. Like, he'll try and blow a 0-2 fastball by you still and just get pummeled, you know? So it's like, uh, yeah. let's see yeah. if King Felix can adjust the way that uh, some other older guys adjusted to their stuff or if he stays stubborn. Uh, if he stays stubborn... It could be a, a long year for King Felix with a team that should not compete um, in that division. Uh, number number two, I mean number three, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, the often uh, debated about whether he should start the year in the major leagues or start the year in the minor leagues. Get called up after that that uh, that threshold where you have an extra year of control over a player. Um, they just made that t- that really easy for the Blue Jays. He's out three weeks. Um, what do you think about this? Do you think he's really out three weeks or do you think the Blue Jays are pulling those? Yeah, that, that is <laughs> one of the biggest breaks in like recent franchise history for the Blue Jays. Like, other than Zach Britton not coming in that L wildcard game, this is probably the second best break they've had in the last 10 years. Because, I mean, like we said, the service time, the biggest debate over how many years now with Chris Bryant, uh, Flag Rail Jr. now, it's like you get that extra year of arbitration. So, Woo! Win for the Blue Jays. Sucks for Vladdy. I mean, he's going to need the three weeks, then he's going to need to rehab. So it's just, you know, longer delay to stick him in the minors and, you know, get that extra year of service for the Blue Jays, the organization. I I have a feeling about the Blue Jays this year. Like, they could compete. They have a whole, they have like, they have like three juniors in their system that are all nice. Um, uh, They have Dante Bichette. Dante Bichette's been killing the ball in in, in spring training, so it's yeah, they do have a couple young bucks. Like they got a couple, young uh, legacy better, young bucks. Too. Yeah, yeah, legacy young bucks. Yeah, man. So it's like I like you know how I feel about legacies. I like legacies. I'm all about that Game of Thrones shit. Like the 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 dude who um the dude who's the king. His son should become the king. That kind of shit. You know what I mean? Um, I can't even relate because I haven't watched an episode of Game of Thrones ever. Ever? And I was about to say you're about to berate me. Dude, I don't know. Can we continue this episode or are you going to cut it short? I know. I might have to cut it, man. This is is getting crazy. (laughs) Where where were we? I I lost my notes here. Um, Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, The next next thing we got on the docket, uh, Ian Snell. I mean, uh, Blake Snell, the guy we talked about earlier, only getting a $15,000 raise after a Cy Young season. Yeah, he got shafted. Yeah, this is why you got to sign those long-term deals and avoid arbitration. Uh, What do you think about it? Yeah, it's just a win for the organization. But if you look back in history, Chris Bryant had an MVP year. Um, 
pre-arbitration, and they gave him a six-figure raise. I think it was like 500 G. So that's a nice, healthy raise. Um, Tim Lincecum won a Cy Young pre-arbitration, got a six-figure raise. I think it was like somewhere in the 230 range. And now Blake Snell, 15K. Meanwhile, the minimum, I think, has gone up uh, salary. I think I read it went up $10,000. So if you think about it realistically, it's only a 5K raise. Because he had to get the 10K raise regardless. So tack 5K on. Like, yo, the things Tommy Fan was saying about the raise organization and the fans and, like, all that other stuff, I I called it into question because I was like, yo, it's kind of, you know, cheap stuff to stay as a player. But now that I see them, what they did to Blake Snell, like, come on, Rays. Like, get it together. That's what they do, man. They've been doing that for literally forever. Like, Yeah. I mean, it's tough. They're in a small market. But, yo, when your guy has a Cy Young year, take fucking care of him. You're not paying him millions. Just give him a six-figure raise. That's nothing in today's game. Like, that's fucking pennies. Amen, bro. Um, let's go. also go to the next one. Uh, Esteban Loiza. For who not for nothing, if there was a baseball player who was gonna be a cocaine kingpin, the guy named Esteban Loiza, that's the guy that I'm a little nervous about. That dude, that dude's name sounds like he was like working straight for El Chapo. Like, yeah, Esteban Loiza. We have to, <laughs> we have to throw this in there. What was the last time anyone has heard the name Esteban Loiza? Like it's had to have been years. Yo, he was nice for that little while though. The White uh, Sox teams, bro. He was yeah. nice. He was their ace. Yeah, yeah, yeah for he, sure. He was good. I remember. Yeah. I remember we used to have um, we used to have like a MLB 2005 drafts with my friends, and uh, Esteban Loaiza was always one of the first pitchers drafted. I'm like, ah, he's gonna suck in three years, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, but three years for uh, you know, what do you cocaine? Have? A crazy cocaína. amount of cocaine on him. Cocaína. Yeah. Oof. Oh, the man. snow. Esteban. Esteban. What's good, bro? I know you made some millions in the majors, my dude. Esteban. What's good, my guy? Get your <laughs> shit together, bro. Um, on on a little sadder front, Tom Seaver. Um, he's leaving the public eye, as as a lot of Mets fans know. Tom Seaver, uh, the greatest Met of all time. Uh, he's basically considered by many, um, definitely the best homegrown Met of all time. Because you got to put Mike Piazza in that uh, discussion. But Tom Seaver, he's leaving. He Mike Piazza. Like, he's a Dodger, bro. Do, yo, you you. You get the fuck out of here with that, bro. Right? Not homegrown. You want to check? You want to no, not homegrown at all. But you want to check the cap on, in his Hall of Fame plaque? Wanna no, no. Ahead? You want to go ahead? Saying, you said homegrown, so I had to throw. That's that what I'm saying. You. Like you, you got to put Mike Piazza in there. But homegrown is definitely Tom Seaver. But um, dementia, uh, not something fun. I know for me, I went. I had a grandma who had dementia, and uh, at the end, they got very sad. And uh, it's a, it's a definitely a lonely thing. So, um. Shouts out to Tom Seaver. If you have Twitter or wherever to reach him, send send some prayers out. Um, he's that dude. I remember back in the day when I was um, I was with my uh, my college. I don't know, girl. I don't know. I don't know what to call her. But my my the girl that I spent the most time with in college. Uh, we used to joke that if we ever got married and had a kid, we'd name it Seaver after Tom Seaver. So that's how Mets fans uh, feel about Tom Seaver. Uh, for for you, uh, boss, you're a Yankee fan. Um, how do you feel about him? Obviously, one of the best uh, and most likable guys in the game of baseball. Yeah, it's Tom Terrific, man. Like, yeah, that's – he's – I mean, like you said, he's a presence for the Mets, the franchise. Like, I mean, we're both from Queens, so we know that. I mean, City Field is like a snowball throw away from my house. Um, it's – that 41 on the wall is iconic. 
and yeah, he was the the pioneer of that '86 team. Yeah, he had shit all those great years, man. Tom, terrific. I mean, it's sad. It's sad, but he's still, you know, he's still gonna be around. He's fighting it. He's still kicking. So, you know, just just fight strong, man. That's all I gotta say. With uh, death comes new life, and one thing that uh, we can now turn to celebrate is, is a Rod and J Lo have got engaged, and maybe one day they'll make beautiful green eyed. Light skin, like caramel skin children, Bronx babies, <laughs> Bronx babies. Like they, like yo. Do you imagine the the amount of beauty that's gonna emanate off the off that baby? Oh my god, I'm not even the biggest A Rod fan, but J Lo will, you know. Have I mean, it's J Lo. All those jeans up in there. It's J Lo, but and A Rod, come on, you, you could hate him, you could love him. The man's a good looking man. He's got that. He's got that Puerto Rican swag, bro. He's just like, he's Dominican, bro. Oh well, he got a Port- <laughs> he got a, he got the Puerto Rican swag, dog. What can I say? <laughs> like the Dominicans got that same swag too. I, I spent too much time in the Bronx, man. They, it, it's it's you know they it's, it's it is what it is. They got the swag, and that's that's what he got. Yeah, yeah, it's great. That rock is ridiculous. That rock probably costs more than any money I'll make in my lifetime. Without a single shadow of a doubt, and <laughs> and I'm speaking as someone who is uh. In, in a business partnership with you, we're trying to make as much money as possible. We'll never make that much money ever. Nah. Uh, <laughs> so you see, yeah, before we move on, did you see yeah. the Jose Canseco tweets? No. What did he say? Oh my God! You didn't see that? That he's, no. <laughs> he's oh he's putting out like yo A Rod like oh he's tweeting at J Lo. He's like yo reach out to me like A Rod's been cheating on you. Uh, my ex wife oh, no. like knows all about it. Blah 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 blah. blah. And then he put some fake number up. He put, legit tweeted a number said, call me. <laughs> it's like an out-of-service number. So, you know, Jose Canseco, obviously known known rat, right? He did that, uh, that I forgot what the book was called. God, it's so famous with the steroids where he, like, just, you know, wrote everyone off. Said, yeah, yeah. he cheated, he cheated, he cheated. And then uh, was in court, like, saying, yeah, you know, told the truth that he cheated himself and threw a bunch of names out there. So, yo, notorious rat. Truthful rat? I don't know, yo. I don't know. Oh man, a rod, a rod. Better send some hitters out there, just like, yo, <laughs> yo. Don't ruin this. Don't let oh, this fucker ruin this for me. I'm, I'm marrying J Lo. Like I'm, I'm yo, literally at the peak of life right now. Somehow Jose Canseco always seems like to pop his name up into like some sort of relevancy all these years later. <laughs> all right. With that being said, today is March 11th that we are, um, that we are recording. And it's Lamb's birthday. So shout out to Lamb, uh, of course. Lamb Nick from the show. Everyone knows Lamb. Everyone knows and loves Lamb. Uh, You can catch him on the NBA show on Wednesday, by the way. And we're going to do something in honor of him. We're going to talk about betting on the show because you can't talk about about Lamb without talking about betting. So we're going to be giving you guys some MVP odds. Uh, We're going to be going through the list. I'm going to show you guys. I'm going to ask Boss about some of his opinions about some of these guys that stand out, and then each of us are going to give you a long-shot pick for MVP. Now, this is not our actual pick for MVP, but it's someone that we think— Although, could, it could definitely be. feasible picks. Yeah, yeah, feasible. Like, someone that we think could have a legitimate chance uh, to win an MVP this season, although we'll give our picks in the MLB preview show coming up uh, later this month. Make sure to check that out. That, that one's always a doozy. Check um, it, check it, check it out. <laughs> let's start in the old circuit, the— uh, the uh, National League, the favorite right now to win the MVP is, are you ready for this one? Bryce Harper at plus 400, 4 to 1. Uh, he is the favorite right now, followed by Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. Those are the only ones 
bringing home uh, 10 to 1 money or less. So those are the three favorites according to uh, Bovada.com where we get our where we get our odds. So what do you think about these three guys? And are you surprised that Bryce Harper is the favorite? Yo, those top three guys, fat contract, Bryce Harper, fat contract, Nolan Arenado, and new home, Paul Goldschmidt. So, yo, those, I think, in my eyes, are significant variables when discussing MVPs. Like, we saw John Carlos then had that MVP after signing that beefy contract, but after his, you know, his move to New York, not a down year, but not an MVP, you know, caliber year. So I think having that's a weird top three for me, just like given the outside circumstances, not performance wise, just, you know, everything else going on. So I think that'll that has a lot to do with like production and Bryce, you know, started spring training late. Right. I'm sure he was working out on the side, but nothing like team workouts and seeing live pitching. Um, Arenado, I mean, sure, you know, Arenado is just all around. He'll always have a disadvantage because yeah. he's in Colorado, and and the voters, no matter how much, right? They, you know, they they'll always hold it against him, which is such bullshit. Right, but he brings that Gold Glove, and you know, he played, you know, probably the best two way player in the game. Um, and then Goldschmidt, I think, is in for you know a bounce back year. Although he had a great year last year, but I think the Cardinals will probably compete this year, and he's going to be the centerpiece of it. So on a on a walk year, new home, a bit interesting, but I'm I'm not seeing MVP numbers, but I could see. You know, a great year, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't play any of the top three. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I actually think Paul Goldschmidt's winning the MVP this year. Yeah. I, I, I well, if I right now, like I haven't really started my in-depth research into like the ins and outs and the real nitty-gritty of everything, but um, from just what I'm seeing and just you know the knowledge that I have of the game, I think that Paul Goldschmidt in that lineup, protected by Ozuna, is going to have a giant year. I, and I think the Cardinals could win the World Series, man. I really do. I think I think Carlos Martinez is going to be the X factor. Yeah, he did, he was supposed to break out last year. He did not have a healthy year. They're talking about him maybe even going to the bullpen. If he can recover and be a starter, that gives him quality innings. They're gonna they're gonna be very hard to beat. If he can't recover and you put him in the bullpen, which is where he started his career, all of a sudden his fastball goes up two three knocks, and you got a, you get yourself an unhittable player at the end of the bullpen. So I think Carlos Martinez and his health is going to be, no matter what his role is this season, is going to be a giant. So I think I think the Cardinals could compete, and I think Paul Goldschmidt would be right in the middle of that if they do. It's interesting, interesting. I like it. So the next three before a giant fall off is Manny Machado, Chris Bryant, both at twelve to one odds, and then you got Christian Yelich, the defending National League MVP, at sixteen to one odds. Now, winning MVP back to back years is almost impossible, so it explains that. But uh, what do you think about these three dudes? And do you, do you think that Christian Yelich deserves to be sixth on this list? Solo. Um. Yeah, I mean he's up there. I mean I wouldn't say it's low, right? Like he wasn't putting MVP seasons together in Miami, although it's a tough park to hit in. He's also um, like what twenty four, right? Yeah, he's young. He he's a young older, dude. A little, he might be a little older than that. But, you know, Miller Park is super friendly for him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you look at Machado, right? San Diego Padres, we've seen in the past. MVP in baseball is a bit different. Uh, team performance doesn't necessarily affect the voting. Because, like we said, Mike Trout, obviously, former MVP, um, has won on some bad Angel teams, non-playoff Angel teams. So, yeah, Machado's pretty high. Uh, Petco, I don't know. I don't know if he'll produce MVP numbers in Petco. That's a tough park. Speaking of ballparks, um, but then Chris Bryant. I like Chris Bryant. Yeah, I like where Chris Bryant's at for a bounce back year. You know, the only thing keeping him down is health, really. 
Yeah. Uh, he's had an MVP year already. So I like where he's, he sits there. And I think that NL Central, you said you like the Cardinals to win the World Series. That's a little – I mean, it's not crazy, but I just think that division is so wide open um, with the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Brewers. You know, it's one of the more wide open divisions in baseball. So I could see Chris Bryant really having himself a great summer and uh, putting together an MVP caliber season out of those six that you've rattled off so far. The National League is going to be so interesting this year because you got if you if you count the Reds and there and if you buy into the moves that they made, you got four teams in the Central that can compete. You got four teams in the East that can compete. And you got two to three teams in the West that can compete. And it's going to be it's going to be interesting because you could see any of them representing the, the National League. It's going to be a, a fight to the finish in the National League this year. That's for sure. Um speaking of fighting to the finish, uh, a couple guys that stand out. That's, so there's a big dip between Yellis, who's 16 to one, and the next best odds are Anthony Rendon at 28 to one, and a couple guys that uh, stand out: Freddie Freeman, 22 to one; Anthony Rizzo, 25 to one; uh, Joey Votto, 33 to one; Josh Donaldson, 50 to one; Robinson Cano, 50 to one; Juan, Juan Soto, who that that's a that's a that's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. They have they have him here as Juan Soto. Like like the drink. That's um, another interesting one. Juan yeah. Soto. <laughs> one soda. You want His one? alter ego. <laughs> I want one soda. All right. So um I mean, who's your favorite out of these long shots to take it home, boss? Um, I'm gonna go Joey Votto. I like it. I like it. Why why you know Joey Votto? I well, A, I had him on my fantasy team last year and he let me down big time. Uh his first year, I think four years sitting under three hundred. He hit two eighty four, I believe. Single digit home runs, only sixty seven RBIs, and this dude was healthy. Right, still had over you know that 400 on base percentage. He's still getting his walks, but you know the Reds really went out, like you said. I forgot to name them in the wide open NL Central. You did, uh, but they went out, and made some major moves. They got Puig now in there. I think that'll help him. Um, and Matt Kemp, if I don't know if he's gonna play every day because they got Shebler out there, and I think uh, I forgot who's in left for them. Slipping my mind, Johnny something. But um, yeah, if if if. Votto can get back to hitting, you know, north of 25 dingers, get that average back up above 300, and the Reds could be a possible playoff team. Yeah, I think he, he's due for a rebound year. He's Joey Votto. Like, he doesn't have back-to-back bad years. So, yeah, I'm going to go Joy Votto for a long shot. Uh, Eugenio Suarez is actually out there, too, which is which bro, is an interesting one. It's Eugenio. Eugenio, my bad. I'm, Come yo, on, I'm, son. I'm, I'm so white. This whole This whole episode, I've been so white. You gotta get um, back into baseball. Man, I really bro. do, man. I really do. This this is ridiculous. <laughs> um, I like. Do you know who I like, man? I like Reese Hoskins. I I think nice. that at at twenty at twenty five to one, Reese Hoskins. Yeah. Look, he's his full full season last year, and his home run and power numbers were gaudy, right? But he also batted two forty six, but he got on base at a three fifty four clip. And now this is his full first full season, right? Now, what's the difference? Like, why the jump? Bryce Harper, Gene Segura, JT Real Muto. These guys are now surrounding him in the lineup. You you take Reese Hoskins in the situation he has, was in last year, and now you have Gene Segura and Bryce Harper batting in front of you, and you have G, JT Real Muto batting behind you. That's sick, and that is protection. And if you are... A pitcher, and you're looking at those four guys in the lineup, and like, who am I going to go after? Reese Hoskins is probably the guy you're going to go after because he's the youngest and he's the he's the most 
I don't know, susceptible to the strikeout if you look at his numbers. But at the same time, now he's going to be seeing those fastballs. He's going to be making better contact. I like it. I think Reese Hoskins is going to have a, a bounce up year this year. I think he's going to be – he's definitely going to be the biggest winner of all these pieces that the Phillies have put together around him. I kind of like that pivot off the favorite Bryce Harper to his teammate probably hitting behind him. We can drive him in, Reese Hoskins. I like that. I like that. One of the most underrated things when you bring in a guy is just how that guy can help the guys around him in the lineup. Because baseball, you know, it's, 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 it's an individual game played in a team – but there's so much that depends on the next guy in the lineup and the guy in front of you in the lineup that it's it's hard to call it just an individual game. So Reese, he's going. I think he's going to have a better year because he's going to see more pitches and he's he's not going to be the only guy in the lineup like he was last year uh, for the Phillies. But with that being said, let's go over to the AL. Um, some the top four or nine to one or less are some familiar faces. Mike Trout, who has won the MVP three of the last four years, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he's up there at two. Two and a half to one odds. Uh, Mookie Betts, uh, the defending uh, AL MVP, six to one odds. Aaron Judge, your boy, uh, eight to one odds. And then Alex Bregman, nine to one odds. That Alex Bregman one is is super super intriguing, man. I really I love me some Alex Bregman. Yeah, if you join the Patreon, man, you can see where he fell on our top twenty five under twenty five athletes uh, going right now. He's definitely on those lists. Um, but yeah, uh, you know it's hard to argue Trout bets like those are the best of the best doing it right now judge coming off that broken wrist uh last year that cost him about a month and a half two months so we'll see where he stands he's already mashing in spring training um uh, but it, yeah it's hard to not like any of those top three and then bregman is you know the up-and-comer the new face in this mvp talks because uh, you know you have his teammates correa and altuve who, are, who have been up there you know in recent years his face is now new to the game so Shit, I like it, man. The AL's got some some good some good bats atop the MVP voting. Do you know why I like Bregman, man? He got swag. And he does. He's all over Twitter, man. He's on he's on his tweet game heavy. He, he goes back and forth. I don't know if you've seen it with uh Trevor Bauer. <laughs> some good like back and forth right there. Because Trevor Bauer is known for speaking his mind. He's on, on his Twitter, IG especially. game too. He he got his own YouTube channel. Okay. Like he's he's out here. And not only that, he he can back up. He he can rake. He's oh, definitely. in a short time in the league. He's been, he's been, he went from an afterthought on a team that won the world series to one of the better players in a year. Um, that's not an easy thing to do, especially in your second year in the league. So I think Alex Bregman is in for uh giant, giant things, not only this year, but in the future. Um, All while changing positions too, by the way, yes. he had to move for a Correa. He moved to third. He's a natural shortstop. And it just shows you the athleticism on the dude. I, I, I have a feeling about Bregman, man. If I had if I had some money to put down, I'd put it on Bregman. I feel like he's ready to take that step into face of baseball. Which, by the way, we, we take a lot of time to shit on baseball sometimes when it comes to this stuff. But you know what? I'm going to show some support to baseball right now. And I'm going to let you guys know this. I heard today that the Bryce Harper Phillies jersey was the fastest selling new player jersey faster than LeBron to the Lakers this season. Ooh. So, you know. We, we out here. No, we out here. Don't hate on us quite yet. Now, a lot, a lot of that probably has to do with, like, you know, Philly fans. <laughs> I, I, think everyone in, I, I think everyone in Philadelphia probably has that T-shirt right now. Did you cop um, one? Yeah, this is psych. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's go on to some uh, longer shots here. Uh, 
Jose Ramirez at 18 to 1 is definitely interesting. JD Martinez at 20 to 1. Uh, Carlos Correa at 20 to 1. Jose Altuve at 20 to 1. And also, Nick's favorite, it's his birthday. We'll talk about him. John Carlos Stanton at 20 to 1. He likes him as for a back back year, bounce back year. Uh, I will say John Carlos Stanton has a history of having a good year, a mediocre year, good year, kind of decent year, great year. Eh, year. You know what I mean? Like he's, yeah, he's not yeah. always the the man MVP caliber type guy. I could see him bouncing back this season, having an MVP caliber type guy as a, I mean, a type season, as a guy who watches him on a daily basis, day in day out, every single game, every single at bat. What do you think? Um, what do you think about that? Do you think he has a chance to bounce back and win the MVP this season? I think you're getting me a little excited over there, considering we listed Aaron Judge in the top three, and now you're saying he could put together an MVP season. Oh, but yeah, boy. I mean. Uh, you know, his second year in New York, obviously, his uh, I think his introductory presser uh, this season, his first day back, someone asked him what his, you know, what the biggest difference was after being in New York a year. He said playing meaningful baseball after May 7th or something. So that just goes to show you, like, how much of a transition it was going, going from Miami where they can't even get fans in the stands to New York where it sold out every night, meaningful baseball every night. And, you know, media coverage is a bitch here compared to everywhere else. So he was in the spotlight all year. He was that huge acquisition, the big splash that they made. And now he's one year removed from that. I think he's settled in. I think he could have like a 270 year, hit 270. I think he had 264 last year, 270, maybe 40 homers. You know, still working on that swing for Yankee Stadium, which is perfect for him because he goes all fields. And, yeah, I mean – when it comes down to it, I know Tim, you fucking love this shit. Yankee Stadium is a band box, right? Like, <laughs> pop flies go out. I oh, the shoe box. Yeah. I'll never forget your tweet when uh, Cespedes <laughs> thought he flew out last year. It was like a home run down the left field line. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I could see him putting up monster numbers. He's John Carlos Stan. Who can't see him putting up monster numbers? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I like that. Um, a, a couple more long shot guys that we see here. Um, forty to one odds. Uh, Chris Davis, Chris with a K, Nomar Mazzara, Matt Olson, Chris Davis, who hit you love that two forty seven three straight years on the nose on the nose. Uh, Matt Olson, uh, another A, Gary Sanchez, and George Springer all coming in at forty to one at sixty at, at fifty to one. I'm sorry, got Xander Bogarts, Andrew Benintendi, a little Red Sox pair there, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, at sixty six to one, we got a couple guys: Matt Chapman, Corey Kluber, Chris Sale, Whit Merrifield, Justin Upton, and Justin Smoke. And then Miguel Cabrera rounds out the <laughs> on field players at one hundred to one. Uh, who's your favorite long shot in the AL to come back and win a and win a AL MVP, boss? It feels like you can't have MVP odds without listing off Miguel Cabrera. Like you gotta do it. Gotta honorary. do it. Just honorary. Yeah, honorary MVP. Even when he's like, like one year <laughs> after he's retired, we're gonna be like, he might come back and might win the MVP. <laughs> yeah. Triple crown, bro. You're forever on the list for MVP odds. Um, but I like Corey Kluber, man. I know it's hard to have a, a better year. He's had a better year than he had last year. But yo, twenty wins, two two eight nine ERA. I know you listed off Jose Ramirez, who I also like. Um, in there, I think the tribe are just in the weakest division in baseball. Um, when you look at it, they got the the White Sox, the Royals, the Tigers, um, all bad teams. And then you have the Twins, who are you know who's probably their only competition in the Central. Um, so I like Kluber to just you know walk through those bad teams as he did last year. He had a two eight nine last year. I think if he can improve that to sub two five, and the tribe win the Central. 
They lost a lot of hitters. They lost Encarnacion. They lost Michael Brantley. They lost um, Josh Donaldson, although they had him only briefly. So they lost a ton of production there in the lineup. And I think if they do a pitching this year, and Kluber's at the forefront of that, obviously, with him, Carrasco, Bauer, those guys, I think, although, you know, we know this award is tough for pitchers to grab. I think he can be up there, and I like him as a long shot. I don't think you're crazy. Uh, I think you're crazy a little bit. Just a little bit crazy. Not, not just, all the way crazy. I mean, you know, whenever <laughs> you name a pitcher for MVP, it's a little crazy. It's got to be a little That's a little bit. That's a little bit crazy. Um, the guy that I'm going to go with and just get used to this, uh, if you're a longtime listener, um, you've heard me say this many times. Um, if you are going to be a longtime listener into the future, we appreciate you in advance. You'll hear me say this a lot more times. <laughs> I'm going to take $20 or, you know, if, if I get better money in the future, like 50 or 100 bucks or whatever. And I'm going to throw it on this guy to win MVP every single season until he does. And that's how certain I am that he will be the MVP. Andrew Benintendi is my is my pick for MVP this season. Uh, oh, my God. Here's why. Last year, his production did go down in certain areas, right? He went from 20 to 16 home runs. But a lot of people don't understand because all everyone's about the home run. His average went up 20 points last season. 20 points. He jumped 20 points in average in his second season. Uh, not only that. He's being moved into the leadoff spot this year to bat ahead of Mookie Betts, who's going to move back into the number two spot. And guess who won the MVP last year? It was Mookie Betts. Guess where he won it from? This exact same spot. The leadoff hitting the leadoff hitter for the for the Red Sox. So I like Andrew Benintendi. He said that he's going to concentrate more on contact and he doesn't care about the home runs. That is music to my ears because I do know this for sure. If he concentrates on the contact and doesn't worry about the home runs, the home runs will come. Uh, he's too talented of a hitter for the home runs not to come. If he presses and stresses for those home runs, they won't come because that's not his game. And he knows it. He said it himself. Yo, that's not my game. I want to get on base. I want to set the table for these guys. I can see him scoring 150 runs in front of in front of this lineup of Mookie Betts and the rest of these killers like J.D. Martinez and so on and so forth. So uh, my... My pick for long shot is Andrew Benintendi. It's going to be my pick for long shot for the long shot for years to come. I am so certain this guy's going to win MVP one day. I'm so I'm just so certain of it. Probably won't be much longer than this going forward. I mean, he's probably going to move up those uh, that odds list. Um, but yeah, I like it. I mean, like you said, like those those power numbers aren't him. I mean, sure he has that beautiful lefty swing that I wish would you know he'd be a Yankee for Yankee Stadium. But yo, get on, and he does a great job of that, and he can run so. You know, ideal leadoff hitter on a winning team like the Red Sox, World Series winning team, sets the table, gets on, gets over, can't get over by himself if guys can't get him over, and then gets driven in by that heart of the lineup. J.D. Martinez, his teammate falling so low on those is a little crazy to me. I forgot what you said he was at, 20-1. to 1. Um, um, Where is it? J.D. Martinez, 20-1. to 1. But he... Right. But that's good for like eighth on the list, so it's it, it sounds okay. Okay, yeah, it sounds worse than it is really. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, yeah, I like that then because he hit what like he had that f- monster year in Boston, which is kind of crazy because you played in Detroit and then Arizona, where you know who cares if you play well there? I feel like, but he came over in Boston and thrives right away. And if you if you you know, let's take a look at this at this uh, real quick the the Red Sox proposed lineup of where where it could go. Right, who you who you anticipating batting eighth and ninth? Probably, Zim. 
Swihart and Sandy Leone, one of them. Sandy Leone will probably back. Whoever's catching eighth. for them. Like, they have Christian Vasquez. They have, like, every catcher. But besides that, we got – I mean, besides the first baseman who's not going to bat that low, it's – It's, it's going to be it's Devers gonna be or, Bradley. Do you don't think? Or, yeah, uh, maybe. I don't know. He had a good year last year. It might be, like, Devers or Eduardo Nunez or someone. I mean, Devers – Whoever's playing third. They were talking about sticking Devers in that uh, in that middle of the order. That would be an interesting thing like f- to see. Five, six or somewhere? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That would be an interesting one. But, yo, if Brad, if if Jackie Bradley bats ninth, you're going to have a lot of RBI opportunities too if you're Andrew Benintendi. So, yeah, he, he probably would bat ninth, honestly, because yeah. that double lead exactly. off and, like, speed dynamic at the bottom exactly. of the lineup. Yeah, probably. Exactly, exactly. Um, but that's all for our show now. We uh, shout out to the Lamb. Happy birthday. Uh, to our brother over there. Yes. Uh, the big two eight. Uh, what has he been calling it? His uh, his AP year. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. So we got we got our brother Nick at the as his, his AP year. So we had to talk about the betting on this one. Um, if you want to talk to us about baseball a little more, Nick, where can they find you? At Endavito twenty seven on Twitter and the gram. Happy birthday to Nick. Uh, twenty eight. I can't think of a twenty eight off the top of my head for baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can Benintendi, call it you know? Is Benintendi uh, oh, no thirty five? What what is this nah, guy? He's like I don't know. It's not twenty eight. JD is twenty eight. We go with JD. Yeah, there you go. JD. 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 All right. I hate using the Red Sox. But we'll go with the JD. <laughs> so uh, yeah, end of video twenty seven. Looking forward to that baseball preview. Um, let's get it, yo. Baseball's about to be full swing. I'm hyped. Yes, sir. Um, you can find me at Temper Trap on all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling real, 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 real frisky. Um, Benintendi is number eighteen. I missed it by I missed it by a digit. Um, you can find us all at Veterans Minimum on all social media outlets, and also you can support us on Patreon.com/slash Veterans Minimum. Uh, also, check out the complete lineup of everything that is VM. We got uh, the MLB show, we got the MMA show, we got the NBA show, we got the NFL show, we got the uh, Evergreen shows that are just like topics that are kind of more fun and you can listen to whenever. Uh, that's where we're going to put our interviews and things of that nature and and our game shows and our top lists and things of that nature. So check out everything that we had to offer. Also, Nick, you want to tell them about the surprise you got coming for them soon? Yeah, we got the March Madness show, baby, coming yes, yes. the next couple weeks. Those bracket invites, if you're a part of the Patreon, are going to be sent out as soon as that gets set up. Um, as soon as the bracket drops, which is Sunday, Selection Sunday. So keep the eyes peeled because you only have a four-day window to join the bracket. I'm sure Timbo will be in there. You know. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, we're going to get it popping. $200 to the first-place winner. Um, hopefully used to towards the sporting event of their choice. But, hey, $200 is $200. It's all yours. Do what you want. Just looking forward to competing with the fans and the patrons. And get it popping. With that being said, I think that you can't really say anything more than that. You can't really top that. So with that being said, we're going to bow out of this gracefully. Uh, For Nick Boss DeVito, I am Tim Petrop. We will see you next time.